This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, John J. Mendez, Sarah Scoggins, Kat S., Cam Turner, and Arthur Sabinstev for already donating. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents Family Values, a story of Ravnica by Alison Lurz. Tasa Karlov is a formidable force in the courts of the city plain of Ravnica, but she wants more. With her extraordinary command of Ravnica's law magic and the help of a Boros soldier, she is finally ready to make a bid for power. But she still has to contend with her treacherous, domineering ancestor Karlov, who hasn't let being dead slow him down. Tesa Karlov had spent another full day being yelled at by the dead. This time, the Orzhov Ghost Council had failed to see why condemning a debtor to 500 years of servitude was problematic in the eyes of the law. Tesa had argued till her throat stung. The grand envoy of the Orzhov collapsed into her favorite chair, Cain leaning at hand. One of the Grug brothers had tidied her desk, bless him, and had left a pile of papers to go through. Tesa Karlov carefully sorted and scanned her old mail before she tossed it into the crackling fireplace of her study. An update on tunneling progress from Tajik. A demand of compliance from the Obzadat. A weeks-old confirmation of appointment with the Living Guild Pact. Tesa grinned. What a fun meeting that was. Would you agree that the content of the safety provisions and regulations, specifically Article 14, exists and is a valid law? Yes. Miss Karlov, I'm extremely busy and need to go. Jace was shoving a grappling hook and traveler's coat into a bag, frantic sweat on his brow. Would you also agree that stealing is illegal? Yes, please leave! After asking him to confirm no less than 20 minor laws and legal requirements, it was worth getting kicked to the curb by the Living Guild Pact himself. That meeting was weeks ago, yet still Tesa reveled in his adorable irritation. She tossed the stack of letters into the fire and stoked it with the tip of her cane. She ran through a mental checklist as she began reading in the comfort of her study. The fire flickered at her feet, warming the skin of her long, numb legs. She had written the official accord and guidance of the guilds of Ravnica long before the maze long before the Guild Pact had a body and could sleep, eat, void, and die like the rest of the world. That law book sat in her lap now. Tesa didn't need to physically read it to know its contents, but tomorrow was the day she would act. Tesa needed the comfort of her proudest creation. Finally, she had the tools to restructure her guild, the allies to help her, the loophole to generate a path to freedom from the abusive dead. Really, the best part of the whole maze affair was losing. 
As she warmed her blood by the fire, Tessa remembered the thrill of secret realization when she watched Niv-Mizzet test the living Guild Pact after his victory over the Guild Champions. Now that the Guild Pact had a body, the Law had a voice. And what that voice spoke was Law. She could manipulate this technicality to challenge the monopoly of the Obzadat. It was a lovely loophole. Tessa was, first and foremost, an advocist. She adored loopholes. I see you're a narcissist, even in your spare time, granddaughter. Tessa jumped in her chair. The fat, opulent folds of her deceased grandfather, Karlov, ghosted through the closed window of her study. She scowled. I do not care if you cannot physically knock. I will not be interrupted during my leisure time. With a nimbleness he certainly did not have in life, Karlov lowered himself gently onto a chair across from Tessa, eyeballing the self-authored book sitting in his granddaughter's lap. Why read through a text you wrote yourself, sweet child? Had he the mass of his living self, Karlov would sink down past the chair's tolerance, but death has many advantages. Unless you would rather read through your own words than listen to the advice of your own family. Tessa mentally filed through the endless list of disagreements she had had with the Obzadot recently. Instead of deciphering which subject her grandfather may have been referring to, Tessa decided she honestly did not care. Instead, she evenly sat up in her chair. What sort of advice would you have for me, Grandfather Karlov? Stop busying yourself with acts of vanity. The ghost placed a massive hand on her copy of the official accord and guidance of the guilds of Ravnica. He lifted his other hand up to his granddaughter's cheek, grazing a large, strange claw across her cheekbone. And start thinking of your blood. Your physical life will go by much quicker if you stop reminiscing on past mistakes. Tessa ate her disgust. Though she could not feel the physical touch on her cheek, she still felt a wave of repulsion royal in her gut. Tessa arranged her face. I read this to remind myself of past mistakes. The council requested exception from my laws. I foolishly ignored their advice. My position as Grand Envoy remains secondary to the Obsidat. However, my duties as advocate require me to read many texts, none of which are done in vanity. The spirit soured. You still claim the title of advocate or Grand Envoy? I claim the titles both gifted to me and earned. I worked hard to be an advocate of the law. There are more important laws than the ones in your books. Tace's tolerance tilted. It isn't right. It is our way. I felt it in life. I feel it more strongly in death. You feel nothing in death. Karlov stilled. What you feel is an unending loop of what you felt when you were alive. You were a coin-gobbling sack of a man in life, and have become only more foul in death. Tessa seethed with a venom usually reserved for court theatrics. She couldn't help it as the truths escaped her lips. 
Karlov raised his eyebrows. His lips turned up slightly as he sat back passively. I fail to see a problem with any of that, child. Karlov stood and held out a translucent hand. Tesa wanted to spit on it. Instead, the Grand Envoy of the Orzhov leaned forward, bound by centuries of the living's obedience, and subserviently kissed the outline of the councilman's gossamer ring. In that moment, she fantasized about biting his fat finger to the bone, throttling him with her strong arms and slapping his fleshy face until he sobbed for mercy. She knew without a physical body she could not hurt him. Tesa lifted her lips with internal resolve. Silly girl. <laughs> Find my troll tomorrow. Ask for a spare coin or two. Buy yourself something nice. Tesa used that coin to buy a knife. At present, it was cloaked and strapped to her side as she was guided in shackles by her ally, Tajik of the Boros Guild. He led her, shrouded and disguised, through a busy street past the Orjova Basilica. Crowds of desperate patrons passed, all moving nervously and quickly through the causeway. A cluster of spirits wafted sadly past Tesa and Tajik as they shuffled around a frenzied trio devotees. There were no markets in Orjova, no vendors peddling goods. There was nothing for the public to buy, only gifts for the church to be given. Orjova was an anxious place if one did not belong to the guild, and the tension in the streets did well to hide Tesa from prying eyes. Keep up, Kron. Tajik yelled the order as Tesa allowed herself to trip over her own lame leg. Her disguise was essential to the plan. Although the records she needed were in the Basilica itself, she would be too recognizable to access it herself. She needed her friend Tajik for the purpose of sneaking her in, and hoped this show of good faith could lead to a guild alliance in the future. There was a Boros outpost prison near the edge of the main church building. Tajik led her in through the front door and passed several guards who nodded at the Knight of the Boros. Tajik returned their nod and briskly led Tesa down a long hall of cells. The vacant eyes of several criminals awaiting transport to the main prison stared at Tesa through her veil. She rolled her eyes. Tajik led her down a crooked spiral staircase into a damp underground cell block. There were no prisoners down here, and no light to show them the way. Tajik let go, and Tesa lifted her veil. He lit a torch and ushered her into a basement cell, shutting the door behind him. My apologies for calling you a crone earlier. The knight moved with coarse but gentle palms to remove Tesa's shackles. Oh, it's fair. I'm old, technically. Tajik smiled awkwardly, unlocking the shackles on Tesa's wrists. She stretched her freed arms and examined the barren cell around her. Anything I can use as a cane? Tajik unsheathed his sword and handed it to her. The knight grinned. Not only can it assist in walking, it's also a great tool for opening jars and occasionally killing people. 
Tessa grabbed the hilt, using the blade as a makeshift walking stick. She moved to the wall and tapped a brick at the end of the cell. I like to think I hid it well down here. None of the other guards ever found the entrance. Tajik proudly motioned to a part of the wall that must have hidden the door. Plenty of sleepless nights had gone into magically carving out the 300 hands length that connected the Boros cell to the Obzidat's record room. Tajik picked at a stone jutting out from the wall of the dimly lit cell. I can open it myself, but do you want to see if your method works first? Any law verbally affirmed by the Living Guild Pack is unbreakable to the person he speaks the affirmation to. She took off the veil and disguise she had worn on the street. All I need to do is directly reference a law affirmed by him, and it must be made manifest. I had him affirm roughly twenty minor laws. He was ever so annoyed. Tessa smiled. It was precious. Tajik returned her grin and tapped the wall, leading Tessa through an opening he had constructed. The height was short, understandable, given that he had carved it quickly and in secret, and the light of their torch could barely illuminate the wall at the other end of the passage. Tessa ducked and held one hand to the wall as she moved down the dark path. Her new cane clicked across the rocks, sending echoes into the darkness ahead. Tajik stayed close to the wall behind them, quickly rejoining Tessa's side in the cramped passage. You didn't have to do any of this, Tajik. The Ghost Council hasn't done anything to you specifically. You are a strong leader and ally. Your talents are wasted while you are under the thumb of the Obzodat. I thank you, Tajik. Also, I really hate ghosts. No offense. None taken. Tessa ran her hand along the side of the passageway. These dead men are worthy of your hatred. They reached the end of the passage. Tessa stilled herself and recited from memory. Policies and Procedures, Section 12, Item 4. Her heart leaped as a thrill of borrowed law magic surged through her voice. Official guild representatives may be granted passage from one guild-controlled place of residence or business to another through use of official warrant. Tajik handed her a piece of paper he had drafted earlier. It seemed small in his hand. Tessa held the warrant to the stone and felt the wall vibrate slightly. She stood back as the wall rotated in on itself, bricks folding inward and behind to reveal a pitch-black space. Dust and grit fell to the floor, revealing a dark room lined with files and records before them. Tessa squirmed. Ugh. Law magic feels weird. What is it like? Tessa scrunched up her face. Starchy, lukewarm, like a family dinner you couldn't get out of. Ugh. Hmm. An accurate description of every interaction with the Azorius I've ever had. Tessa snorted a quick laugh, <laughs> handing Tajik his sword back. Be ready. There may be spells to set off an alarm. She palmed the walls of bookcases as she entered. The portal sealed closed on its own behind her in the night. The records library was pitch black, save for the warm glow of their torch on countless stacks of books. Tessa stood still and recited. Safety provisions and regulations, Article 14. All recorded security measures are to be approved by the Azorius Senate Office of Library and Information Affairs 
before inspection and operation. All those in violation will be marked for future investigation. Small threads appeared in the air, reflecting a web of silvery shimmers in the light of the torch. There. Don't touch any of those and follow me. Tajik handed back the sword as she moved down the line of books, carefully ducking and weaving through the tangled loom of twinkling magic. With the mass of threads behind them, the light of their torch fell upon a grimy crystal door inlaid with thousands of jewels. Whatever artisan had constructed the door put more intent on the volume of gems than the aesthetic. What was intended to be a grand display of wealth came off as a desperate attempt to impress an empty room. This is the gaudiest thing I have ever seen in my life. We're entering the Obsidat Sanctum. Trust me, it's worse on the inside. Tessa lifted her new knife to her arm with a smile. This next bit is one I wrote. She unflinchingly and shallowly nicked the top of her forearm while reciting. Article 12 of the Orzovnia. A governing person of Orzov recognition may be granted entrance to the Obsidat's chamber with proof of identity. Tessa knelt and discreetly smeared her blood on a far bottom corner of the door. Why down there? Tessa shrugged. It's an expensive door. The blood was quickly absorbed as a lock deep within the structure released. Tessa started to open the gem-encrusted door. As if those dead magpies would really throw out anything they owned. Tessa grunted and pried the door loose. Tajik moved as if to help, but Tessa continued lost in thought. And to think, Uncle told me the bodies were burnt. <laughs> the door swung open and the knights let out a gasp. Dozens of glittering, leathery, gold and velvet draped bodies propped on thrones lined the walls of the room. The mummified former vessels of every Obzadot patriarch and matriarch sat silent and preserved, each covered from head to toe in what must have been nearly every piece of jewelry they owned in life. Huge, sagging clothes covered tight-skinned skeletons, with diamonds and jets placed in the hollows of their eyes, and Orjovan deformities more obvious in some than others. The black velvet of their robes shone dimly against the tight, ancient skin of the corpses they covered, dozens of rings stacked on bony, fleshless fingers. The thrones the bodies were propped on shone dark ebony and obsidian atop a polished floor inlaid with glittering diamonds. Tajik stopped and stared upwards at the dozens of other bodies resting on inlaid shelves lining the walls of the Obzadot's chamber. The age of the bodies and their belongings increased dramatically as they approached the ceiling, which was covered in an elaborate mosaic of diamonds. The light of Tajik's torch was infinitely refracted around them as Tessa walked confidently toward the center of the empty hall. Her eyes skimmed the floor. The little space left between the gems had been filled with glistening gold and platinum. There were no chairs save for the grisly thrones, and the air stung with vinegar and preserving liquids. A more recent body on the 
far side of the room reeked of chemicals, body fluids, and dark magic. Tasa stopped near it briefly. Hello, uncle. Mmm, angels above. It's a family reunion. I warned you it was worse on the inside. Tasa set down the sword in the center of the room and lifted a handle inlaid in the floor. She pulled a bejeweled chest out from beneath her feet. Tajik's face was sturgeoned in displeasure. Please tell me they don't move around. Don't be barbaric. You called your family magpies because they magically preserved their bodies. Well, I do appreciate the principle, but the execution is a bit flashy. Tesa used her hand to sweep dust away from the clasp on the front of the jeweled chest she had pulled from the floor. The records are in there. Tesa nodded, opening it and laying a crumbling record book on the opulent floor. She delicately turned the pages until she smiled in delighted recognition. Tesa stood back. Here goes nothing. Tesa lifted her chin and recited from memory, her attention focused on the dimly lit chest in front of her. By order of the United Guilds of Ravnica, it is decided that the betterment and progression of any one guild over another may be seen and understood as an act of war. Should proof of such subversion be discovered by another representative of any other guild, it may be confiscated and turned over to the Living Guild Pact for investigation. Tajik of the Boros Guild, what do you see before you? You mean uh, other than the skeletons with uh, their skin still on them? Tesa stared at him with irritation. I mean the contents of the book on the floor. My apologies, the skeletons are distracting. Tajik knelt and quickly scanned the page on the floor, being careful not to move his torch too close. The page seemed to be a logbook of Orzhov income. He gently flipped through several pages of crossed-out numbers, listings of interactions, recognizable names, and vault locations. It is a very old logbook that has clearly been edited multiple times. My gut says that this is probably the proof you're looking for. Tesa smiled in earnest. In consonance with the new accord of the Guild of Ravnica, you are granted the right of exposure and are obligated by duty to present your evidence of financial corruption to the Living Guild Pact. Tesa felt a twinge of magic weave through the law in her words, and her heart leapt with joy. Tajik tried to lift the record book from the floor. He tried again. Tesa's smile vanished. Crumbling, dusty pages now stood indestructible and resolute, as if part of the diamond floor. Tajik laid down his torch and clung to the spine of the volume with all his might, using all his strength and unearthly will to shift the book from where it stood. Tesa's heart stood still. She felt him summon iron-hard Boros magic as he struggled to lift the records. No matter how hard he tried, he could not pick it up. Tesa shook her head. I, I don't understand. It should work. I wrote the law. It was confirmed by the Guild Pact. It should work. Tajik looked at the envoy in desperate uncertainty. Tesa felt anxiety tighten in her chest. She closed her eyes and held a hand to her head, running through her knowledge of law with every ounce of concentration. 
She opened her eyes as sudden revelation spread horror across her face. She moved back her robe to reveal her knife at her hip. Try to steal this. Tajik stared in confusion as Tasa pointed to her knife. Her brow furrowed in determination. Petty theft is a violation of personal property with a charge dependent on judicial ruling. Tasa weaved as much power as she could into her statement of law. Tajik stood and crossed to her, his boots clicking on the diamond floor. He easily grabbed the hilt of the knife, and Tasa gasped. He lifted it away from her belt. The grand envoy of the Orzhov froze in horror. The law can be broken in this room. Her gray eyes widened to the whites as she looked in terror around the empty, ostentatious chamber. What do you mean the law can be broken in this room? The... the guild pact does not apply in this room. Something about this place directly manipulates Ravnican law. How did the Obzadat manage that? They are dead. They cannot perform magic. It's... old. It's... older than me. It's... probably older than any member of the council. It's old and I don't know... Well, then you are a silly girl. Tasa gasped. Tajik reflexively held out the stolen knife in defense. The voice came from nowhere. The quickened breath of the Boros and Orzhov echoed eerily in the chamber. Grandfather. The ghost's form shined strangely in the light of the torch. He silently floated toward his granddaughter, a reproachful and parental scowl on his face. The law is worthless to our kind, granddaughter. I have told you this for centuries. Everything about the Obsidat, everything about how our guild has functioned is wrong in the eyes of the law. She trembled in frustration. Every muscle in her body ached to fight, stab, flay, kill, but knew it would be for nothing. Karlov faked a condescending sigh. The ghost had obviously not had to breathe in quite some time. It was a sad mockery of a sigh. I'm afraid I will have to punish you for your temper tantrum, Tasa. I am very disappointed in you. I am not a child. You have disobeyed my will. Nothing can be obeyed in this room. We can be obeyed in this room. I initiate an immediate summoning of the Obzadon. Tajik yelled with surprise as dozens of ghosts swiftly rose from beneath the floor. Corpulent, deformed bodies of long-dead Orzhov rose from beneath Tajik's feet and icily grazed his skin. He jolted in shock where he stood, and the torch fell to the floor. Tasis stood still through the summoning, well accustomed to the manners of the dead. The temperature in the chamber dropped dramatically as Tasa's tears of prior joy chilled on her cheek. Karlov lifted himself to float slightly above the other ghosts of the Obzadat. The Grand Envoy of the Orzov seeks to upend the Council. What say we to her insolence? The ghosts cried out to the enemy, an alien, unearthly sound that shook Tasa and Tajik to their cores. Summon a thrall to escort the Boros to our dungeon. A thrall shambled quickly through the previously opened door and grabbed Tajik by the wrists. 
The soldier looked back at Tessa, uncertain whether to fight. Tessa suddenly shook her head in response. The Boros left with his captor, and the massive door closed behind him. Tessa was dimly lit in the glow of the torch on the floor. Dozens of ghosts stared down at her from every corner of the chamber. Karlov approached her, his frown deepening on the folds of his face. By order of the Obzidat, your title of advocate is hereby revoked. Tessa's heart clenched. You can't! I can in here. The council forbids you from the practice of law for the rest of your existence. Tessa's head was spinning. I barely practice anymore. Only the Azorius Senate can remove my title as advocate. We do as we please, just as we always have. Her life, her work, it was over. Tessa's hips slid to the floor as she held herself up by her arms. You've been planning this. On revoking your title as advocate? Why, of course, you vain little idiot. And if you want it back, you will step in line and remember your blood. Karlov flexed his fat, translucent hands. We will discuss the details of your remaining title as Grand Envoy immediately. I will meet you in the Orzova Tower, yes? Karlov smiled and motioned toward the record room door on the far side of the room. Her chest heaved as her hands balled into fists on the diamond floor. You can't take away something I achieved on my own! Karlov smiled. I can when you don't put the Obzidat first. We gave you a title. You owe us your unquestioning service. He held out his hand and presented his ghostly ring. Tessa looked directly through it at the jeweled floor. Insolent little girl. I am 112 years old. Karlov slowly knelt until his face was near her ear. You are small. And she was. The tower, as you know, is roughly seven floors above this one. Don't keep me waiting. The ghost floated up and into the ceiling. Tessa was alone. The dying embers of the torch illuminated Tajik's sword. She sighed. The title of Grand Envoy was never a gift. It was a way to keep her bound. She, Tessa Karlov of the Orzhov Guild, was in debt. She grabbed the sword. She stood firmly, supporting herself with the blade as her cane. And she began to walk toward the stairs. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voice of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. 
You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Family Values was written by Allison Lurz. The podcast was produced and edited by Gin Dolkeshi. This week's story featured the voice talents of Melissa Sheldon, Isa Martell, Brian Rozek, and David Moscovich. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. And y'all have a great day. <laughs>